0: Uh, Turn uh, briefly with me to James chapter 2, and um, we'll just look at a a verse or two there and review just a little bit of what we talked about last week, and then um, dig into some other stuff. Amen. We're going to continue our uh, study on the subject of of faith tonight, and specifically we've been looking at um, the idea of genuine faith, and the Bible talks about genuine faith or unfeigned faith. And, um, and so if there's a such thing as genuine faith, just like if there's a such thing as a true worshiper, um, we know that there are counterfeits. Um, there would be faith that would be pretend or simulated, just like there would be worshipers that were not genuine or true. Um, and for that matter, everything that, that God has and has created, um, the devil and his kingdom the world um, has tried to come up with some version of it, some substitute for it. And, um, and they may call, you know, the world may call their version of hope, hope, but it's really not hope. Real hope, genuine hope, the Bible says will never disappoint you. Um, and, and so love and faith and, and so many um, other things. And so we're specifically looking at developing the measure of faith that the Bible says God has given to every person and you know learning exactly what that looks like okay so James chapter 2 let's begin at verse 21 was not Abraham our father justified by works when he offered Isaac his son on the altar do you see that faith was working together with his works and by works faith was made perfect. And that word perfect there um, could also be thought of as made complete. Made complete. That word perfect in the Greek language means, it's teleos is the transliteration of it, if I'm saying that correctly. And it just simply means that which has reached a successful end. Or we could say it another way, that which has come full circle. So we see that Abraham had faith in his heart, and the faith that was first in his heart was then expressed and released through the things that he did. So we see the combination, which is a powerful combination, of the internal inward faith in the heart combined with the outward or the external actions um, of uh, the flesh. And so Abraham is used, uh, of course, in the Old Testament we see so much about him and his name mentioned so many times but if you have never read this, the Bible clearly identifies in Romans, the fourth chapter, as Abraham as being the father of faith. And it literally says, the father of all who believe. And so we've got any believers in, in the house tonight? Amen. Th- that means he's your father. And it even says that we should follow in the footsteps of Abraham. Now, a lot of times you know, people try to write things off um you know from the bible especially things that they're not interested in or that they don't want to participate in they they try to uh move it off the table by saying well yeah that's old testament um and and so there are certain things that are from the old testament that we don't do anymore but there are other things that transcend in other words they're universal that we'll be doing them a thousand years from now in, in, in heaven. And faith is one of those things. Faith is one of those things. And, and so even when we talk about the law, you have to remember that um, Abraham predates the law. Moses descended from Abraham and the law came through Moses. So the things that we learn about Abraham and from Abraham are not things that were you know, done away with through the Law. Um, Even when we talk about circumcision and things of that nature, the Bible makes it very clear that it wasn't Abraham's circumcision that made him righteous, it was his faith in God that made him righteous. And then any act of obedience to what God spoke to him in his day was an expression of or a releasing of the faith that already existed in his heart. See, that's like tithing. There are people who say, and we've already received one offering; we're not going to receive another one, so don't get nervous about that. But people who say tithing is Old Testament. No, tithing pre- predates the law. It's, you, you can't just say we're not under the law so we don't have to tithe anymore. That's, that's ridiculous. Abraham is the father of faith. The Bible says we follow in the footsteps of Abraham, and Abraham is where we see the tithe. Amen. And of course, Jesus confirmed that as well in the things that he said. So not to get too far carried away with that, I just want to point out to you that Abraham is our timeless example of faith for us to learn from and even follow in his steps. And so James, by the Holy Spirit, is once again using Abraham as an example. And we see that Abraham believed that um, God was able to raise um, Isaac, and, and he had tremendous faith in God to obey um, anything that God asked him to do. Um, but unless that faith was expressed by action, um, it remained incomplete. It, it remained uh, imperfect. But when he combined what was in his heart with an outward action or expression of that, we see that faith was made complete. And it's complete faith, perfect faith, perfect in the sense that it has both of its elements working together, the inward um, assurance and persuasion of the heart combined with an outward expression of that inward assurance. This is where we see tremendous results, not just in Abraham's life. But in the life of every other person who followed that example of faith, um, we see that tremendous results um, were experienced, okay? Now, the main thing, and, and I always, after I finish a sermon, a class, I, I, I um, Pam, especially, sometimes the kids, are like, you know, you're so quiet, you know. Um, driving home, or maybe we go to eat or something like that and, um, and it 's just because i 'm just kind of replaying the message in my mind and um, the enemy the enemy tried to kind of get in on that last Sunday last Wednesday night um, because you know it was like, man, you said the same thing you said last week and and pretty much the same thing you said the week before that and um, and I guess in some ways I, I did or I said the same thing just said it different ways, but I really before we can take the next step and we're fixing to take it, is we've got to recognize the synergy working together with that exists between faith and the heart, which is fully persuaded that God will do what He said He would do, that God is able to do what He said He would do. And then once that full persuasion is developed in us, we release that through an action. Where I've seen people get in trouble is where they're really not fully convinced in their heart, but that they understand the importance of action with faith, and so they go ahead and take the step of faith, right? They go ahead and, and try to, you know, mix action with their faith um, when they weren't there yet. And there's we said there's a difference between being fully convinced and trying to convince yourself. And so we talk about the cart and the horse, and you know can't get the cart before the horse. Well, if we're going to take that um, euphemism and and apply it to this, the idea of course is you can't get the um, cart of works before the horse of faith. There's there's got to be the, the full persuasion of the heart first, and then the releasing of that. And when you're fully persuaded in your heart, it's not like a double dog dare you to take the step. It's it's not this whole, oh my gosh, what's going to happen if I do this feeling. No, so that's doubt in your heart. That's, That's questioning in your heart. Amen. But it's when you become so convinced, like Abraham, he was so convinced that if he offered Isaac as a sacrifice, that God would raise him from the dead. I'm getting a little ahead of myself, but the Bible says he had already received as such in a figure in his heart. In other words, he had already was so strong in faith that he had already played it out in his mind. In other words, he could not see it ending any other way. And so that's why when he went up on that mountain to offer Isaac, he did so not in fear, not stressed out, anxious, nervous, biting his fingernails. Um, He literally said to the men, me and the boy are going to make a sacrifice and we will both return now see again people who are not fully convinced in their heart they look at that and they go okay if you're really going to be in faith this is how you gotta you gotta say the right thing well yes you do but sometimes saying the right thing is what you need to work on to, to get and feed the faith in your heart to a place of full persuasion and then there comes a day when you release that faith and you express that faith in a confession, in a declaration, in an action. And and that's when, boom, the results happen and happen very quickly. Amen. Now, with that said, it leads us, I think, to a question. And, of course, the question responds to this statement. Um, Our works must be an expression of our faith, not a substitute for it. You can't substitute the outward expression of faith for lack of an inward um, confidence or persuasion in your heart. Um, So there must then be genuine faith in your heart for your action to correspond with. It, It goes something like this. In order for faith to be complete, there must be a corresponding action. But remember, if if the faith is not developed in us as it should be developed, you can't just do double action to compensate for the doubt or the lack of persuasion in your heart. Are you following what I'm saying here? Okay. Now, so the question then, in, relation to the, in the relationship to this, is how do we develop our measure of faith? How do we develop that? We've talked about it. I'm not going to go back through all the verses. But Abraham, when God first made the promise to Abraham, he laughed in God's face. But we see that over time, he grew strong in faith and, became, and came to a place of full persuasion. And, and so, again, you know, some of the things that Father has promised you may seem so far-fetched, so outlandish, that they're almost laughable but if you will continue to feed and grow and develop your faith amen you will you will rise to that level of confidence and then when you act on that faith release that faith it produces tremendous results in your life All right, now most of you know the answer I'm gonna give to this it's found in Romans chapter 10 verse 17 it says, so then faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. And that literally means hearing by the rhema of God, by the rhema Christos, which Christ is not Jesus' last name, it's, it's his title, and it's speaking of the anointing that's upon him. So it's, it's not just the drudgery of hearing the word, but it's, it's hearing the anointed word. It's it's hearing a a word spoken from God's Spirit to you. I don't know if you've experienced this yet, but if you will persist, if you will persevere, if you will continue in in reading and studying the Word of God, you will eventually come to a passage or even a phrase within a passage that will seemingly jump off the page at you. And, And that is the Holy Spirit. That is the Holy Spirit speaking that word to you. And, and that is the word that you need to, 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 to get uh, focused on. That, that is the word that, that in other words, he's, all the word of God is important, but at different points and seasons in my life personally, in mine and Pam's marriage, in our family, and then we've seen it over the years here at, in our family of faith. There are different seasons where the Holy Spirit is, if the Word of God is a fire, what happens when you breathe on a coal or you breathe on the fire? It it flares up, right? And and there's times like the Holy Spirit has turned to certain things, and it's like He's gone, He's breathing on that portion, that passage, that phrase, that verse, that theme, that doctrine, and all of a sudden it it, it starts to come alive, it starts to to speak to you deep inside of you. That's the Holy Spirit showing you what you need to begin to meditate on, what you need to begin to confess, what you need to begin to feed uh, your faith with, um, to grow in the area of, of being able to overcome, being able to receive, being able to experience in your life reality what the Word of God um, you know, says is yours, has uh, in, in store for you. Amen. Amen. So faith by hearing, hearing by the Word of God, but you know, specifically um, hearing God speak to you personally. That's what the Logos and the Rhema, and I know there's a lot of different opinions as to what that literally means, um, but to me, the the Rhema word is is when the written word comes alive inside of you, as the Holy Spirit is, is speaking that to your heart. Now, let me, um, let me give you a couple of verses. First one um, out of the book of Joshua. Joshua chapter 1 and verse number 8. And um, I'll give you a minute to turn there. I'd, I'd like for you to, to see this in, in your own Bible. Maybe mark it or highlight it in some way. It's such a pivotal verse in the history of God's people. Because if you understand what's happened, God used Moses to bring the first generation of Israelites out of Egypt, and God's desire was to bring them out of Egypt so that he might bring them into their promised land where they would live their promised life. But we know, of course, that that first generation did not enter in because of unbelief, because of a lack of faith, underdeveloped faith, uh, immature faith, uh, or pretend simulated faith. And so Moses has, is, has died, and that first generation has died with the exception of Joshua and Caleb, and now God has raised up Joshua and a new generation to go and inherit the promised land. And these, these are the instructions that God gives to this new leader. He says, this book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate in it day and night that you may observe to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success." Now, there's a few things that I want to comment on here. First of all, let's let's deal with this. Perhaps some of you looked at these verses the way I looked at them many years ago, and almost looked at it as as like a cause and effect let me say it another way it's like if you just spend enough time doing it eventually god will say okay that's enough here and and it's like you know we we do this we spend enough time in the word to earn you know we bank enough word time to you know we Different, um, you know, Papa John's, you know, you, if you sign up for their rewards, you know, you buy pizza, they give you a few points, and then you get enough points, you get a free pizza. You know, and so I think sometimes people look at this like, you know, if you just be good enough long enough and, and, and spend enough time in God's Word, you'll get enough points with God, and then you can cash those points in um, and, and get something good, you know, from the goodie bag. <clears throat> that's, that's not what he's talking about here. He's talking about what is necessary to cultivate the measure of faith in us to operate at a high level in God's kingdom. Joshua was given an assignment that one of the greatest leaders that ever lived Failed to accomplish. Think about that for a minute. I mean, in the leadership hierarchy, you know, in the history of humanity, I think you've got to put Moses in the top 10. If he's not in your top 10, he ought to be in your top 20. If he's not in your top 20, you don't belong in this conversation. Okay, no, I'm just kidding. In other words, we're talking about you know one of the greatest leaders that will ever live and yet he failed in bringing God's people all the way into the promised land so now Joshua has been handed this baton and it's not going to be learning from Moses' mistakes that's going to put them over the top it's going to be faith why did that first generation not enter in they didn't enter in because of unbelief So if the first generation did not enter in because of unbelief, do you think that the second generation is going to enter in because of unbelief? No. In other words, they didn't enter in because they didn't have genuine faith. And if this next generation is going to enter in and lay hold of it, it'll be because of faith, or it'll not be at all. So the instructions that God is giving to Joshua are the instructions necessary for him to operate at a high level of faith, and what feeds and grows and develops our faith, the Word of God. So he says, this book of the law shall not depart from your mouth. What is he saying there? We talked about this a little bit in class this afternoon. If it doesn't line up with the Word of God, you've got no business saying it. I don't know about you, but I, sometimes I look at my own life, I want my good decisions to count more than my bad ones. I've seen a lot of folks over the years that, you know, they, they experimented with tithing and they, you know, they say, well, Pastor Mark, that tithing didn't work for me. Well, amen, I'm, I'm not, not here to try to judge anybody, nobody's judge, okay? Um, but listen to me now, putting God first with your money is a good decision. But that's not enough to overcome bad decisions with your money as well. In other words, you've got to, there's a lot of folks like, well, you know, I'll just just pay my tithe and and then just do whatever else. You know, you've got to be a steward, right? You understand? I'm not here to teach on finance. I'm just trying to show you. Sometimes we want one good quality decision to somehow count for and compensate for a whole string of bad, poor decisions. It, It doesn't work that way. It doesn't work that way. And I think sometimes we, you know, every piece of information coming into your being is affecting you either positively or negatively. Amen. Think about that for a moment. I've shared this once. I'm not... You know, when the Lord dealt with me about the food I was putting in my body, He also dealt with me about the news I was putting in my mind. One of the things the Lord showed me is that there are foods that create inflammation in the body, and inflammation is your enemy, it's not your friend. But in the same way that there are foods that create inflammation in the physical body, there are thoughts and thinking that create inflammation in the soul. The biblical principle in Proverbs is this one, can a a man take fire into his bosom and not be burned? So a lot of times, you know, we, we, we like to talk about, you know, giving God five minutes in the morning, you know, doing a a quick devotional in the morning and now I lay me down to sleep prayer at at, at night and I'm not trying to belittle that that's good decision but you you have to realize that you're being bombarded in the world in which we live you are being bombarded every waking moment darkness negativity, lying, doubt, unbelief, judgment, gossip, all this other stuff, right? And and if we're going to operate at a high level of strong, genuine, fully convinced faith, we can't feed on the Word of God for five minutes and then feed the rest of, you know, uh, uh, what, 16-hour day or more on the junk of this world. That kind of falls into the category of do not be deceived, God is not mocked, whatever a man sows, that he'll also reap. Now, I'm going to put on the brakes right here for a moment. I know some of you were here for this, some of you were not. Remember, our instructions are to enter into rest by faith. That's one of the ways you know faith is genuine, because if you're genuinely in genuine faith, you'll be at rest, even if the answer hasn't come yet, even even if the healing hasn't um, manifest yet, even if the the check hasn't arrived yet. When you're really in faith, you're at peace. Even if the son or daughter hasn't turned yet, repented yet, you're at peace. Amen. Amen. So, he says that we need to, remember from Hebrews 4, we need to labor to enter the rest. Jesus said, your work is to believe on Him whom God has sent. So there is effort involved in faith. Faith is not like some mental assent. I understand the concept of this, but sometimes, you know, they say, you know, so-and-so's having surgery tomorrow, um, think a good thought about him. It's kind of the world's, you know, have a good thought, have a good thought about him. Let's pause for a moment of silence. You know, again, silence and thoughts, that, that, ain't, that's, that ain't cutting it. We're, not, we're talking about something completely different here. Are you you following what I'm saying here? And so this this idea that we can just have a good thought. You know, faith involves effort. And I'm not talking about the, the action component. That certainly is effort. But the real effort of faith is assuming a position on God's Word, holding that position, feeding that position, Growing in faith where that position is concerned until you become fully convinced and can't see it any other way. Now, is there work after that? Yes, but let me tell you something. We compared it to the work. Brother Ed Canada plants that garden, does all that work and brings us the produce. Does it require effort on our part to go get the tomatoes and eggplants and zucchinis and squash and bell peppers and all that other stuff he brings? Does it require effort on our part to go pick it up out of that bucket? Yeah, but compared to the work he did, no, not, no work at all, right? That's actually the fun part. It requires effort, but it's, man, appreciate us all learning to be patient and respectful, you know? Nobody's throwing elbows back there, right? Because Trying to get, get to it. So when we say there's work and effort involved in faith, we're not just talking about, the corresponding action we're not talking about the the you know the conceiving giving birth to and then eventually offering Isaac as a sacrifice that was effort but that was an expression of the effort in his heart it was the the work and the the real fight of faith is aligning your thoughts words and actions with what the Word of God says and not giving in to the temptation of realigning your thoughts, words, and actions with what the circumstances and situations, the way things look, seem, and feel all around you. Amen? That's the work of faith. Abraham, the Bible says, he considered not his own body dead or the deadness of Sarah's womb. That that required deliberate, intentional action on his part. Instead of focusing on the way things look, seem, and feel, and aligning his words and actions and thoughts with the way things look, seem, and felt, He instead deliberately, intentionally gutted it out and deliberately, intentionally, purposefully aligned his thoughts, words, and actions with the promises of God concerning his future. And the more he did that, the more faith grew in him. And the more faith grew in him, the more he gave glory to God, the more he took steps of faith and he went from faith to faith to faith until we see him now as the father of faith and we must follow in those same footsteps. So the book of the law shall not depart from your mouth. There are people who say, well, you know, you don't need to speak that. Well, I agree, death and life is in the power of the tongue, and there are certain things that we don't need to speak. But I think the part that most people don't understand is, why do we not need to speak it? Well, the ultimate answer, I guess people say, because if you speak it long enough, it'll come to pass. And that's true, but why will it come to pass if you speak it long enough? Because if you speak it long enough, it's going to create an image of that inside of you. And eventually, the inward image of the heart will give way to outward actions of the flesh that will produce the very thing that you feared the most how many people say I'll never be like my mother turn out to be just like her Amen it's because the more you focus on not being, not doing, not having, not going it's creating an image inside of you that reproduces itself on the outside of you so why do we not speak it? We don't speak it because speaking it is how we take thought. The Bible says take no thought by saying. When you say things, you, it, it adds a, a level of weightiness to the thought. And that settles in your heart and it begins to build an image in your heart that over time will come to pass in your life. Well again, Why then do we not speak the negative things, but speak life? See, some people think, well, if you just say it, that's faith. Well, yes and no. You keep saying the truth. You keep saying what God said. You don't let His word depart out of your mouth. Because His words are now building an image inside of you. What do you think Abraham was doing when he said, his name originally was Abram? and he told everybody quit calling me Abram start calling me Abraham Abraham means father of, a, of nations father of a multitude every time he heard somebody call him Abraham it was feeding that faith see as opposed to what in the world are we doing this is the most ridiculous pipe dream ever we're, we're living in some fantasy land if, if, if we believe at our age we're gonna have a kid see again He just stayed focused on what God said and and God's ability to bring it to pass. What God said and God's ability to bring it to pass. What God said and God's ability to bring it to pass. He's building that image inside of him. Shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate in it a few mornings each week for about 10 10 minutes. Is that what it says? No, meditate in it day and night. Day and night. Say, oh, Pastor Mark, that's impossible. Well, what in the world is God telling somebody to do it for then if it's impossible? Day and night. Listen, if they could do this in their day, there's no excuse for us. In our day and age, when so many people have a smartphone in their pocket or access to the internet, And I mean, you, I'm telling you, I've been telling you, 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 you probably, I don't know if my phone will hear me say this, I get in my truck, I put the key in the ignition, I set my phone on the console, and I say, hey Siri, play podcasts. Playing podcasts. And away she goes. And I'm hearing Rhema Christos the anointed Word of God. Are you hearing me? I spent the better part of the last three hours preaching and teaching. When I get in my truck and drive home, guess what I'll do? I'll listen to some more preaching and teaching. Amen. Amen. And after we go to bed tonight, I lay there, the light's out, I will take some verse, some truth, And I will begin to say within myself, I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. I am one with my Father and my Father is one with me. Greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. The works that Jesus did I'll do also and even greater works than these. And I will will say that within myself until I go to sleep. And then when I wake up in the morning, I'll say good morning to my Father and before my feet ever hit the floor. I'll acknowledge Him I'll say something to the effect of my life is not my own to do with as I please. I give you my day. You have things prepared for me this day. This is the day that you've made. Help me think like you today, Father. Help me respond like you respond today, Father. And here we go again, right? Now, I'm not trying to pat myself on the back. There will be all kinds of things that come to, you know, I told you a little bit about Sunday morning, fighting uh, the good fight of faith, where my way I was feeling physically, um, technology issues, heat wasn't working, cleaning crew was sick, building was filthy from uh, the baby T. Um, cleaning crew was supposed to come afterwards. They both got the same virus that Bethany had apparently, and um, so. You know, again, all this stuff bombarding me. I love my Sunday morning time. You, you, you praise God, hear me. I get here really, really early. I get in. The, I get in my back cave of truth. I have a couple of little small lamps on, and man, me and the Lord just have a good time in there, right? Well, now I got floors to mop, garbage cans to empty, bathrooms to. You follow know what I'm saying, all this stuff, right? Then I said, well, I better turn the heat on for everybody. Gets cold. Heat won't work. So all this stuff, right? I'm not hearing the devil's devices. He's trying to get me focused on anything but the word that I'm supposed to deliver as his representative, representing him, his ambassador, to all those who will be present on Sunday and all those who will listen to it later online on the internet. You follow what I'm saying? Now, did I catch myself getting irritated? Absolutely. I'm not trying to put some halo on my head or something like that. But again, that's where the fight comes in. That's where the fight comes in. So I just started praying in tongues. Amen. Praying in tongues, meditating on John 17, and here we go, right? Amen. Amen. This is what he's talking about here. Let me ask you again, what do you think not letting the word depart from your mouth and meditating in it day and night looks like on a real-time, street-level, moment-by-moment basis in our lives? What, I mean, if, if, if this is God's word to you, right? This is a rhema word. This is rhema Christos to me. Well, what does that look like? What does that look like? Amen. Well, I just don't know if I could do that, Pastor Mark. How about just give it a try? Brother Copeland calls it total immersion. Will you just immerse yourself in the word of God and nothing else? Now, if you're not interested in operating at a high level of faith, then amen. But it was going to take a high level of faith for Joshua to lead God's people in the promised land. And this is what God's telling him he needs to do as the leader to operate in that. I'm finishing here. That you may observe to do according to all that's written in it. Remember, there's power in the Word of God to empower you to do what the Word of God instructs you to do. We do the Word of God by faith. It's not just by sheer act of the will. It's by faith. Then you will make your own way prosperous, and then you'll have good success. I'm offering to you tonight the reason His way will be prosperous and successful is because of faith that's developed in Him by not letting anything that God that didn't come out of God's mouth, come out of His. That's a good way of saying it. First time I think I've ever said it that way. Don't let anything come out out of your mouth that didn't come out of God's. Amen. And meditate on His Word day and night. Meditate means to mutter to oneself, to say within oneself. God says, you do that, Joshua, and you're going to be better than all right, son. You, you're going to make your own way prosperous and you're going, you're going to be very successful. Amen. Amen. Stand with me. Praise God. You get anything out of this? Father, we love you. We thank you for the truth that we're hearing. Father, I thank you that we, we, we heard Ray um, Christos tonight. We, we heard the anointed word of God spoken tonight. And I believe, Father, that it's, it's growing our faith. It's feeding our faith. We're stronger in faith now than we were 45 minutes ago, Father. And so, Lord, we thank you for that. And we're not going to let the devil uh, get us caught up in some kind of fit of carnality when we leave here. We're not going to get caught up in strife. We, we're not going to get caught up in fear and worry and allow the enemy to try to come and steal this word from us. But Father, all the way up to the time we lay our heads on our pillows to go to sleep, we're going to be be thinking about what you're saying to us, and we're going to be saying it to ourselves, meditating in it, feeding our faith, growing in faith, becoming men and women who operate at a high level of faith. Fathers, we go our separate ways. I just impart blessing upon my brothers and sisters. I pray that everything they put their hands to will prosper for your glory. I pray that, that they'll let their light so shine before others that they see their good works and glorify you in heaven. Pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Shake somebody's hand, hug somebody's neck, love somebody in Jesus. Thank you so much for being here this evening.